0: You're a preacher, you know that's the truth. Uh, but we mean it. We 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 always enjoy coming here, whether it's for a Sunday like this or or for Jubilee. It's always a blessing. I was thinking this morning, Brother Sam, you saying thank you, Lord, for your blessings on me for the invitation. One of the first times I ever came here, Brother Gravley had me up singing at a afternoon service during Jubilee, and I was sitting right over there. And God got to moving in a big way, and Brother Gravley was just up here kind of moderating and. And people started testifying, and while, while people were testifying, a man just walked up the side wall here and walked up behind me and put his, put his arm around my neck. And he said, hey, I'm going to sing that second verse. I said, this is like my first time here. For all I know, it could have been the pastor's brother. I didn't know. I said, well, that's up to the pastor. He choked my neck. He said, no, it's up to the Holy Ghost. I said, no, it's up to the pastor. About that time, Brother Gravely looked over and saw what was going on, and he said, he, he was very wise, he used discernment." he said, Let, let's have the Lindsay Brothers come on up and sing. Thank you, Brother Daniel. And so, uh, I haven't sang thank you, Lord, for your blessings on me here since then, so I was a little nervous this morning when we got to singing. So. But, <laughs> First Corinthians chapter 6 tonight. Appreciate the preaching this morning, that was a blessing. I'm glad Brother Gravely preached a shouting message this morning, because I ain't got one tonight. And I'm glad y'all took the offering up for the kids before I preach this message, hallelujah. And the truth is, what I'm going to preach about tonight, probably, I I dare say probably nobody in here is guilty of what I'm going to preach about tonight. But would you agree that sometimes we just need reminders About things we already believe to be right Things we believe to be wrong we, we need reminders And so this has been on my heart for several weeks As I've been praying about preaching here Especially because you got a lot of young people here And uh, our young people are under attack uh, With what we're going to deal with tonight Probably like never before Notice in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and before I read any verses, let me say that Paul is writing to the church at Corinth, probably one of the most carnal churches in the New Testament. And it really, it probably resembles a lot of churches today. There's a lot of carnality in our churches, y'all. We wonder why our churches are dying, closing their doors, why we don't shout like we should. There's too much carnality. And I'm talking about independent Bible-believing Baptist churches. I'm talking about even in the good churches with good preachers like what y'all have here. Y'all got a great church, but even in... I'd be pretty naive to think that everybody here tonight is saved and living the spirit-filled life. There's a lot of carnality in our churches. And so Paul writes to this church, and in verses 9 and 10, he tells what this crowd had been. They had some people in their church with a past. Aren't you glad that God can take care of your past? He tells them verses 9 and 10. Look at verse number 9. He said, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. He says, that's what you'd been. But in verse number 11, he says, here's what you've become. And such were some of you. But. Hallelujah. But you're washed. But you're sanctified. But you're justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. There were were some people that had some very bad past, some very bad things back yonder, but I'm glad tonight that the blood of Jesus, amen, it can take care of all them ugly things back there, and I'm glad tonight that God can put it under the blood never to be remembered. Aren't you thankful for that this evening? Maybe you came in here this evening and you got a past. Maybe you're looking at some of those words thinking, yep, I remember that. Yep, I remember that, but, Ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, justified in the name of the Lord Jesus. I'm saying tonight, the sweetest words he ever said were, I forgive. I'm probably preaching to some people tonight. Man, you got tattoos on you tonight from before you got saved. I hope you didn't get them yesterday, amen. But that's where we're at today. You're going to preach to people, pastor, that, that... Come in that got tattoos before they got saved. Men that got earring holes where they used to wear earrings, amen, but they got saved. God cleaned them up, changed them, amen. I'm thankful for that. But there's a word right here in verse number nine. I mean, in the middle of that list, the first thing that comes to mind, he says, nor effeminate. That's a problem in our day. I hear people say all the time, toxic masculinity is such a problem. And I'm looking around saying, where? Where, where is this toxic masculinity that y'all are so concerned about? Now, I'm not seeing much of it. Could I say tonight that if God created you as a man, amen, it's okay to be a man. Hey, young man, it's okay to be a young man to, to walk like and carry yourself and talk like. It is okay to be a young, godly man. I think every young man ought to get that little book Jerry Ross wrote on the tenets of of, of biblical masculinity. Uh, We we need more of that. And uh, masculinity, it's not based on whether you like hunting and fishing or football. Nothing wrong with those things, but that's not what makes you a man. But we need to be men of God. Amen. And young men, be a young man. Don't be ashamed of that. Don't, Don't let anybody tell you that that's wrong. That word effeminate means soft. We got a lot of soft males nowadays. We're raising up a generation even in the church world, amen, that they all they know is video games and social media and cell phones. That is all they, they ain't ever climbed a tree. They ain't ever rolled around in the dirt. They don't know what it is to sweat. That, that's the society we're living in today, just soft. And sadly, Brother Gravely, this soft, this softness has, has bled over into Christianity and we're seeing it in the church world. Man, I grew up in a day and time when the church, it was all about being soldiers for God, soldiers of the cross. The the church had a militancy about it. We'd sing songs like, onward Christian soldiers, marching under war, roused in soldiers, rally around the banner. Amen. We've gotten away from that. I'm telling you, it's Saul. Go to church and here comes some little worship leader He's got a cute little earring and a necklace around his neck I'm still against all that y'all Amen I hope you are too Amen He gets up you know and He got a little praise team behind him you know Bunch of women wearing tight britches Showing off their tattoo they got that week you know Before they got up there Amen I'm not talking about the ones that got before they got saved I'm talking about the one they got Knowing they was going to get up and sing in church Y'all with me tonight, amen? They get up and the song leader, well, hey, well let's all stand. We're going to worship the Lord. And I'm thinking, I bet you don't. I bet you don't. Not carrying on like that. And here comes the minister. He ain't much better. He's got his little bar stool and his little table with his, you know, Starbucks latte sitting there. He's got his muscle shirt on so he can show off his ripped pecs to try to impress all the women. The skinny jeans. Man, have you ever seen me in a pair of skinny jeans? After you get done vomiting. Amen. Just go ahead and start believing in aliens because I've been abducted and they have taken over my body. Amen. Skinny jeans. Say, what's wrong with skinny jeans? You, you can't do an honest day's work in a pair of them things. You'd bust the seat out of them. Amen. I'm just talking about soft. Soft. Effeminate. It's okay to be a young man. It's okay to be an old man. Just be the man that God made you to be and don't let anybody tell you that you ought to be ashamed of that. Now, let me say this effeminate does not necessarily mean homosexual. But I believe the next phrase there in verse 9 is an indication of that. He says, nor abusers of themselves with mankind. And verse 11 still says, and such were some of you. I believe it's God's desire that these people be saved. They have been and they can be. The Bible said in 2 Peter 3 verse 9, the Lord is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. I want to preach tonight for a few minutes on this thought, a scriptural look at the sin of sodomy. A scriptural look at the sin of sodomy. We, we as... Preachers that try to be faithful to preach the Bible, and your pastor, no doubt, we try to be faithful to preach against this sin, and we should. But oftentimes, here's what we do, and I'm guilty of this, we'll we'll get in on a message, Brother Sam, and we'll start preaching against alcohol and and abortion, and then we get on sodomy, and we just kind of throw it out in passing. But a lot of times, we don't look at a lot of what the Bible has to say about it. And so I'm preaching to a bunch of people tonight that probably for the most part you would say, I'm against the sin of sodomy, and I I believe and understand what the Bible says about it, and it condemns it and calls it an abomination. Probably the majority of this church would say amen to that. There might be somebody that came in here tonight, and you haven't seen exactly what the Bible has to say about it. And you've heard preachers say that it's sin, and a lot of times they'll say, well, that's your thoughts about it. That's how you feel about it. I want to give you Scripture tonight here in just a moment, and, and there ain't no way, Brother Gravely, we could cover all what the Bible has to say about it tonight. But I want to give you just some Scripture from Genesis to Revelation. This will not be a textual or an expositional message. This will be topical. We're going to go all through the Bible. We're going to turn a lot of places tonight in the Scripture and see what the Bible has to say about this. So if you leave out of here tonight, I don't want you to leave out of here saying, well, that's how that's just your opinion. That's how you feel about it. I want you to see what God's Word says about it. There, there's two pits that you can get in when you're dealing with this thing of homosexuality, and dealing with them in society. Number one is just be unkind and hateful to them. I don't think that's right. I know some of them come across in such a way they won't let you be nice to them. I get that, but I think we ought to do our best, as the Bible said, to try to live peaceably, if you can, if it's possible. If you had uh, had met me 10 or 15 years ago, now I was the guy, if I went to a restaurant and a sodomite, I could tell they were were waiting on me. Uh, I I was probably going to be rude and cold and, you know, not leave a tip. But then what are you going to do? Leave a track that says you need Jesus, you need to be saved? I think we ought to try to show kindness when we can. Don't be hateful. But it seems like the other pit that is more common today is to condone it and embrace it and say it's okay. And the fact is, they'll never get saved, they'll they'll never have a relationship with God until they acknowledge that it is sin, and like any other sin, it's got to be repented of. As long as society embraces it, and they have, Hollywood has, the music industry has, politicians have, and now even in the liberal progressive church world, they have embraced it and said, it's okay, you just be that way, and God loves you just like you are, you're gonna make it into heaven, it's all okay. You better read your Bible, friend. Amen. One of the dangers of our society is the reclassification of sodomy. You know, the Bible defines it. We'll look at it in just a moment. The Bible defines it as perversion that people need to be delivered from. It's a sexual sin like fornication, adultery, or pornography. needs to be repented of. And the movement of our day is to appease the guilt of sodomy. We don't, we don't want to make anybody feel bad. Some people would say this. It's just their preference. It's just what they're drawn to, so we should allow them to express themselves. Well, what about the rapist? That's, that's what they're drawn to. You just think they should just be able to express themselves? What about the child molester, the pedophile? That's that's the sin he's drawn to, but man, we certainly don't want to allow that to happen and to go on and for them to express themselves. Before we go any further, let me say this. Amen, I don't hate these people. Brother Gravely, I don't hate these people. Now, that's their cop-out. Well, they're just haters. A hater's going to hate. If you say anything against their sin, that's automatically what they come back with. You just hate me. No, I don't. I can't speak for for everybody in the world tonight. There may be people that do hate these people, but I'm not one of them, and I don't believe most Christians are either. It is possible to have a disagreement. It is possible to disapprove of something and still not hate somebody. Man, I've had people in my own family, extended family, that, man, I, that, that have had affairs in their marriages, but I don't hate them. We've got people in our families tonight that, that are drunkards, but I don't hate them people. And I don't hate people that are involved in sodomy tonight. Let me, let me give you some statistics, and then we're going to look at the Bible. And th- this may differ according to what you Google, what you look up, but they say somewhere between 4 to 7% of the population identifies as LGBTQ+. And that plus means there's more coming. They ain't done. 4 to 7%. Now, the way the media talks about it and pushes it and promotes it, you would think it was about 47%. But they're only 4 4 to 7% of the population, but they demand the rights and respect from the other 93 or so percent. 80% of people who engage in homosexual acts say that 50% of their partners are total strangers. The average homosexual has had around 500 partners. 30% say they have had around 1,000 partners. 50% are child molesters. That's one and two, y'all. And that's why this thing of, you hear it all the time now, grooming. They're trying to groom these children to grow up into that lifestyle because they don't reproduce. Since they don't reproduce, they recruit. And that's why they are demanding access to our children. And they're using every medium possible to influence our children. It's in the secular music. Amen. It's in social media. It's in television shows. It's in video games. It's in cartoons nowadays. Disney has been eat up with it for years now for all you Disney lovers. Amen. They, they're pushing that thing like nobody else. Amen. I mean, I'm telling you, they're coming after our children. It's in the advertising world. I remember back in March, that transgender things, you know, started advertising for Bud Light. And all the rednecks in the South were like, we're going to boycott Bud Light. And being a redneck from the South, I was like, yeah, we're going to boycott. Wait a second. I've been boycotting Bud Light for 43 years. <laughs> and the interesting thing is here comes the professing Christians, the conservatives, will not be serving Bud Light alcohol at any more of our political events. Why ain't you serving alcohol in the first place if you profess to be a Christian? And then somebody even had the audacity to put out a tweet that said, as a, as, as a born-again believer, I cannot endorse that perversion, what God calls an abomination. I will not be drinking Bud Light anymore. Basically, what you're saying is you're against that sin. But don't talk to me about my sin. I'm not preaching against alcohol tonight. That's another message. But if we're not careful, that's how we get to looking at it. But it, it is being pushed in every everywhere in society and the truth is it's sad that so many parents are just okay with putting their kids in front of all that i mean if you have things like netflix and hulu and even disney plus i mean it's all right there and i'm not saying you're wicked for having that stuff but i mean what do you know what your kids are watching or is that just a babysitter hey man And let me just throw this in, amen. Don't come to church and say, well, I ain't got money for missions. I wish we did, but we just ain't got the money for missions. You got all them streaming services that are full of homosexuality, amen, and lesbians and gays. You got all that, but you ain't got money to give to missions. You got it. You're just putting it in the wrong place. Amen. Amen. And so many professing Christians will say, oh, we love this show. I mean, you know, now I realize it's got some, you know, it's got some off-color things and it's, it's got some sodomites in it and some same-sex couple, but it's just, it's just such a good show if you get past all that. That's where we're at in 2023 in American fundamentalism. I don't even know what's going on in the rest of them, but I'm talking about the people that we minister to, the churches we minister in week after week. And the more prevalent it's become, the louder they're they're yelling their side, the more even professing Christians are saying, well, maybe it's not as bad as we've made it out to be in the past. Oh, it is. God hadn't changed his mind about it. Well, preacher, don't you know that you know the Supreme Court in 2015 made it legal for them to get married? God's word hadn't changed. And his word is superior, amen, to anything they do in Washington, D.C. This crowd, they're 1,000 times more likely to get AIDS than other people. 80% of them have sexually transmitted diseases. They're 100 times more likely to be murdered than other people. The average death of our population is 75. The average person that's engaged in homosexuality dies at age 39. 24% will live to be 65 years old. Homosexual youth are more likely to experience homelessness and depression and suicide. And the fact is, tonight, homosexuality of any form is sexual lust gone mad. It's suicidal. Let me give you some Bible tonight. Let's just go right back to the very beginning. That's a good place to start, Genesis chapter 1. I mean, right in the very beginning, God settles some of these issues right in the front of your Bible. Genesis chapter 1, and I'm going to move quick tonight. I mean, pretend this is a sword drill at a youth rally, all right? And if you can't turn fast enough, just jot these references down. I just want to see what God says from the Bible. Not, Not my opinion on it, but what God says. Genesis chapter 1, and and let me say, there's two sides to this thing. Uh, I believe we ought to, as parents, we ought to do our best to shelter our children from these things. Amen, we shouldn't be letting them watch garbage on the television that's promoting that stuff. Amen, draw a line in the sand and say, we're not watching that. I don't care how funny it is or how good of a story it is, if they're promoting that, no, we're not doing that. And with that said, I hope you understand, Mom and Dad, you can, you can get the TV out of your home, you cannot have social media, you can get your kids out of the public school and put them in Christian school or homeschool. you can do all those things and I'm for all those things and at the end of the day they are still going to be uh, faced with this issue because our society is pushing it so heavily. Genesis 1 verse 26. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, God created he him. Male and female created he them. Male and female. Amen. How many genders is that? It's two. There's there's only two genders. It, God made a male and female. You say no, now preacher. I mean, it's 2023. You need to catch up with the times. There's there's at least 700 different genders people can identify. No, there may be 700 mental disorders, but there's only two genders according to God and His Word. Amen. Only two. You can. Amen. You can put on a dress, sir. You you can put on whatever. I mean, change your look, change your clothes, change your voice, have some kind of surgery. But at the end. The day you are either a male or a female. Look at Genesis chapter 2 and verse 21. Verse 21, And the Lord caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. The Bible said there that a man's going to leave father and mother and go cleave unto his wife. Not a man leaving to go marry and cleave unto another man or a woman leaving to go cleave unto another woman. It's a man leaving to go be married, amen, to to, to enjoy a relationship with a woman. You say, well, preacher, that's Old Testament. All right, I thought you might say that. Go to Mark chapter number 10. Mark chapter number 10. Let's see what the Bible says in the New Testament. The words of Christ right here. We saw what God the Father said in the Old Testament. Let's see what God the Son says in the New Testament. Mark chapter number 10, verse number 6. But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh, so then they are no more twain but one flesh. In verse number 6, even the New Testament agrees with the Old Testament that God made them male and female. It's two genders in the Old Testament. It's two genders in the New Testament. It hasn't changed. In the Old Testament, it's a man leaving father and mother to cleave to his wife. And in the New Testament, in the words of Christ, it's still a man leaving father and mother to go cleave unto his wife. Not a same-sex marriage, amen. It's a man and a woman, a woman and a man. It always has been according to the Word of God. Both testaments settle that. Go back to the book of Genesis and let's look at chapter 13. You you can't deal with the subject of sodomy without looking at what the Bible says in Genesis chapter 13. Genesis 13 and verse number 12. Abram dwelled in the land of Canaan and Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain and pitched his tent toward Sodom. But the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. You realize, brother and sister, that everything about verse 13 screams rebellion? If you're you're into Bible numbers, you understand that the number 13 is the number for rebellion. And you're in Genesis chapter 13. You're in verse number 13. And verse number 13 has 13 words. I mean, everything about that is screaming rebellion. Not only that, if you understand the law of first mention and that principle, there's a couple first words here. First of all, it says the men of Sodom. That's the first mention of Sodom. Not only that, you have the first mention of sinners. Any form of sin is right here. Sinners. They were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. Now, I do not believe that means that only Sodomites are sinners. And there certainly, Brother Gravely, was sin present before Genesis chapter 13. But what it is, the, the, the first sinners as a word is defined in the Bible as Sodomites. So I think it's a pretty serious thing. So what was the sin of Sodom? Go to Genesis chapter 19. Genesis 19, just a few pages over, beginning in verse number 1. I've got to give you a lot of scripture. That's, that's my goal tonight. It's not, not for me to get up and preach a dynamic message and, you know, make you say, man, that was. I just want you to go, wow, that's, that's still in the book. Genesis 19, verse number 1. And there came two angels to Sodom at even. And Lot said in the gate of Sodom, and Lot, seeing them, rose up to meet them. And he bowed himself with his face toward the ground, and he said, Behold, now my Lord's turn in, I pray you, into your servant's house and tarry all night and wash your feet, and you shall arise up early and go on your ways. And they said, Nay, but we will abide in the street all night. And he pressed upon them greatly, and they turned in unto him and entered into his house, and he made them a feast and did bake unleavened bread, and they did eat. But before they lay down, the men of the city, even the men of Sodom, Come past the house round, both old and young, all the people from every quarter. And they called unto Lot and said unto him, Where are the men which come into thee this night? Bring them out unto us that we may know them. And let me pause just long enough to say that when it says that we want to know them, they're not saying we want to come in and have a cup of coffee and chat it up with these guys. Matter of fact, the Bible's very clear, amen. Genesis 4, 1 will not turn there for time's sake, but the Bible defines no as they wanted to engage in a sexual relationship with these men. That is what they meant when they said that we may know them. Verse 6, And Lot went out at the door unto them and shut the door after him and said, I pray you, brethren, do not so wickedly. Behold now, I have two daughters which have not known man. Let me, I pray you, bring them out unto you, and do ye to them as is good in your eyes. Only unto these men do nothing, for therefore came they under the shadow of my roof. And they said, Stand back. And they said again, This one fellow came into sojourn, and he will needs be a judge. Now we will deal worse with thee than with them. And they pressed sore upon the man, even Lot, and came near to break the door. Well, these are some good, godly, loving, peaceful people, aren't they? But the men put forth their hand and pulled Lot into the house to them and shut to the door. And they smote the men that were at the door of the house with blindness, both small and great, so that they wearied themselves to find the door. Do you see what's going on here tonight, church? They're trying to break the door down to get to these men. And so the angels, I mean, they're, they're smitten with blindness. Blindness. These sodomites that are trying to get to them. And even, Brother Gravely, after they've gone blind, they're still wearying themselves to try to find the door to satisfy the lust of their flesh. Even after they've lost their sight, all they can think about is what they want. I'm talking about this is wicked stuff, y'all. This is perversion gone mad. I've heard people say, well, you know, the sin of Sodom, it was gang rape. It was not homosexuality. That is not correct. One person even said this, the sin of Sodom was a lack of hospitality. I mean, really, God torched the whole city and everybody in it because they weren't nice. I mean, there goes most of your cities in America right there. I mean, if you're going on that. No, it was a, uh, it was a very perverted sin. Look go go back to the New Testament. Look at Jude 7. Jude verse 7. If you find chapter 7, you got a weird Bible. Because there ain't but one chapter in Jude. <laughs> I believe this very clearly defines what the sin of Sodom was. Jude verse number 7. Even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh are set forth as an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. What they were going after in Sodom was an addiction and it was celebrated. In Sodom, perversion was not only practiced, but it it was permitted, it was promoted, it was protected by the law. Does that not sound like the United States of America right now? And I do believe sodomite is the biblical term for these people. That's right. Homosexual, that's a clinical term. Gay, that's their preferred term. They want, they want us to refer to them as as gay. Well, I ain't going to do it. Because last time I checked, gay means, gay means happy. Right. Did anybody else watch the Flintstones when he was growing up? Now that I just ripped on television and all that while ago, go. <laughs> ain't that mean when preachers set you up like that. Man, I remember watching the Flintstones and that theme song would say, We'll have a gay old time. But Barney and Fred weren't going on a date together. They weren't crawling in bed together. It just meant, it means happy. And these are some of the most unhappy people you'll ever meet. Because not only are they in sin, but they refuse to acknowledge it as sin. They refuse to repent of it. Their theme is gay pride. What a theme. You do know God hates pride. Go back to the Old Testament book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel. I'll give you a second to find that one. Some of your pages are still stuck together on that one. Ezekiel chapter 16. Ezekiel 16 and... Verse number 49. Behold, this was the iniquity of thy sister Sodom, pride. The very first thing they used to describe Sodom was their pride. And then it said, fullness of bread and abundance of idleness was in her, and in her daughters, neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor and needy, and they were haughty and committed abomination before me. Therefore, I took them away as I saw good. First thing he says was, Sodom was full of pride. And now, all these years later, they have chosen gay pride as their theme. And even in the church world, they are trying to make the case that it's okay to be gay. It's okay to be in a same-sex relationship. And I should be able to come to church. If I want to get up in the pulpit and preach, I should be able to. If I want to get up and sing, I ought to be able to. And nobody should judge me. Nobody should say anything about it. Okay, well, let's say you're right and you're not. But let's say you're right about the sodomy issue. What about pride? We know God hates pride. And yet you're going to say, that's my theme, gay pride. I'm telling you, everything about this goes against God and His Word. Look at Isaiah chapter number 3. Isaiah chapter number 3. And verse number 8. Isaiah 3, verse number 8. For Jerusalem is ruined, and Judah is fallen, because their tongue and their doings are against the Lord to provoke the eyes of his glory. The show of their countenance doth witness against them, and they declare their sin as Sodom. They hide it not. Woe unto their soul, for they have rewarded evil unto themselves. Say ye to the righteous that it shall be well with him, for they shall eat the fruit of their doings. Woe unto the wicked. It shall be ill with him, for the reward of his hands shall be given him. As for my people, children of their oppressors, and women rule over them. That's what we're seeing in America today. I mean, he talks about Jerusalem. He talks about Sodom. He talks about Judah. I mean, the sin of Sodom, along with other perverse sins, destroyed the nation of Israel. It later destroyed Greece and Rome. You look at that historically. And it is presently destroying America. Right now, while we're sitting in here, this sin is destroying America. And so many professing Christians have embraced it because maybe it came into their family. So they said, maybe we need to reconsider this thing. Brother Gravely, when I was growing up as a teenager, most people didn't know anybody that knew a sodomite. And when it first started showing up on the television and the sitcoms, it's like, whoa, now you can't hardly find a show that ain't got a same-sex relationship going on, even in the kids' shows. But now most of us, I'd say tonight, we at least know somebody that's dealing with that. It's coming to our churches, into our homes. It's a whole lot more common than it used to be. But we can't back up on our position about it. I think this is interesting. It said there in verse 12, as for my people, children are their oppressors and women rule over them. That's going on in our nation right now. I mean, God never intended for the women and children to be in those places of leadership. And that's not being chauvinistic, amen? Amen, I, I thank God for good godly women. I got a good mama. God's blessed me with a good wife and two sweet daughters. I- I'm thankful for you ladies, amen. Amen, but God did not intend them to have leadership roles, Now, look, man, if if some godly woman decides she's going to run for some political office and she's better than the I'll vote for her. I'll pray for her. But that ain't the way it's supposed to be. And we're in a day where the children are running the show. And sadly, a lot of adults nowadays act like children. He said women and children would be their oppressors. I think about this little girl, Greta Thunberg and the attention that she has gotten over the last five or six years. People are looking to her for leadership, and she's just a little spoiled brat that didn't get spankings growing up. But they're making a hero out of her. You think about where we're at as a nation and what's destroying our nation. While we was having Jubilee back in March of this year, in Nashville, Tennessee, a transgender walked into a Christian school and killed, I think it was seven people, students, a teacher, and what was our what was our government's response to that let's let's have a transgender holiday and then we wonder why our nation is going down like it is go go back to the book of Leviticus chapter 18 let's get some more Bible here normally I'm 30 minutes and done and try to move quick but I want to cover this thoroughly tonight because there's a, there's a lot of confusion, even in our Bible believing churches, about what I'm dealing with tonight. I'm amazed at how many people that have sat under King James Bible preaching and teaching their whole lives, and yet, because of how, how the, the media is pr- promoting this and Hollywood is promoting it, they're sitting there thinking, well, maybe it's not that bad after all. Well, I hope you see from the Word of God, <laughs> the book hadn't changed. Yeah. Leviticus 18, look at verse 22. Thou shalt not lie with mankind as with womankind. It is abomination. Neither shalt thou lie with any beast to defile thyself therewith. Neither shall any woman stand before a beast to lie down thereto. It is confusion. Go to chapter 20, Leviticus 20. Leviticus 20 and verse number 10. Verse 10, "...and the man that committeth adultery with another man's wife, even he that committeth adultery with his neighbor's wife, the adulterer and the adulteress shall surely be put to death." And the man that lieth with his father's wife hath uncovered his father's nakedness. Both of them shall surely be put to death. Their blood shall be upon them. And if a man lie with his daughter-in-law, both of them shall surely be put to death. They have wrought confusion. Their blood shall be upon them. If a man also lie with mankind as he lieth with a woman, both of them have committed an abomination. They shall surely be put to death. Their blood shall be upon them. And if a man take a wife, and her mother, it is wickedness. They shall be burnt with fire, both he and they, that there be no wickedness among you. Verse 15 talks about bestiality, which we just looked at in chapter number 18. God is going through here and He's calling out sin, sexual sins. According to those verses, hey, y'all, is adultery sin? Absolutely, it is sin. It's fornication. Is it sin? Is pornography sin? Is, is incest sin? Is bestiality a sin? Amen. Absolutely. Well, you cannot say that is sin and that is sin and that is sin. But now, not, hold on. My, my nephew, you know, he's dealing with some questions and, and, and kind of confused and dealing with some of this stuff. So maybe, no, it's still sin. It doesn't mean you have to hate your nephew. But you can't back up on your position and condone it either. Let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 22. We hear a lot about transgenders and drag queens. Look at Genesis. I'm sorry, Deuteronomy 22 and verse number 5. Deuteronomy 22 verse number 5. The woman shall not wear that which pertaineth unto a man, neither shall a man put on a woman's garments, for all that do so are abomination unto the Lord thy God. You know what God's doing right there? He's condemning cross-dressing and transvestites. Now, look, man, we could get real tense right here. I realize there are those that when they come to Deuteronomy 22.5, all they see right there is that a woman shouldn't wear a pair of pants, and I'm not here to preach that tonight. That's not my goal here tonight, okay? So everybody just breathe. It's okay. There's one crowd right now. I went to Deuteronomy 22.5, and you're foaming at the mouth. Come on, preacher, preach that. And there's probably some of you that are like, I hope he don't go there. then there's a third crowd. You know that it has nothing to do with what I'm dealing with here tonight. Well, what you're dealing with historically here in the Word of God, it's talking about there being a very uh, clear identity between a male and a female. Let's just be historical here. At the time of the writing of this verse in Bible history, everyone wore robes. Amen. Men and women wore robes. But men wore robes that looked like men's robes and women wore robes that looked like women's robes. That There was clear identification. You could tell that is a man. You could tell that is a woman. God condemns cross-dressing. He condemns a man dressing and looking like a woman. He condemns a woman looking and dressing like a man. But the fashion and clothing styles of our, our, our times, they have blurred the lines where you can't tell one from the other. I mean, the clothing styles of our day, I feel sorry, especially for the ladies. It's getting harder and harder to find modest clothing. Because society doesn't want there to be a clear distinction. They're trying to blur it all together. Man, we could get into the hair issue. Look, man, I think a man ought to have short hair. And I don't know how long is too long. I know what the rule is in my house. But I know according to the Word of God, there comes a point where you start looking more like a woman than you do or a man, and you've crossed the line. I don't, ladies, I don't know how short is too short when it comes to your hair. But I, knew, I do know there comes a point where you start looking more like a male than a female and there's a problem. And I know, I know there's ladies that have dealt with cancer and they've gone through chemo and all that kind of stuff. You all know what I'm talking about tonight. Amen. Man, I was reading it just the other day. You think about transvestites and drag queens and all that stuff. I read just, th- just this week in Je- Jeremiah 51, the Bible said about the men of Babylon, it said the men became as women. And Brother Gravely, I don't think that means that they went in and, and put women's clothes on, but they just weren't behaving themselves like men. They weren't doing what they were supposed to do. They weren't fighting the fights they were supposed to be fighting. And I read that, I thought, man, we are seeing that today. Where even in the church world, the men have become as women. God help us. Not too long ago, the governor of Tennessee, where I live, he signed some laws into place banning minors from receiving gender surgeries. I say hallelujah. He put put some laws into effect blocking drag queens from performing in public spaces. I say hallelujah. Hallelujah. Give us more governors. Give us more leadership like that. And for all you country music fans, here's what good good godly Reba McIntyre had to say about it. Somebody interviewed her. She said, I'm disappointed. See, I'm not surprised, but I'm so disappointed. That, that's your God-fearing music, country music crowd. They, they asked Dolly about it. You know what Dolly Parton said? She said, well, I don't see what the big deal is. I dress more provocative than some of them drag queens. I mean, at least she's honest about it. I mean, we're hitting everything tonight. Might as well hit country music. All right, let's finish up here. Go to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. Let's finish finish this up tonight. Again, I'm probably not even preaching to anybody tonight that is guilty of this particular sin. But I I might be preaching to somebody that you're questioning some things. Or you have a friend or a family member that they're into this and you're, so you're trying to decide maybe, maybe is it okay, maybe it's not as bad as the preacher makes it out to be. Listen, this ain't just a bunch of rednecks in the south saying that's gross. No, We believe the book. We can't back up on the book. Romans chapter 1, verse number 18. For the wrath of God There's something you don't hear a lot about in our day, even in the church. We hear a lot about the love of God, and I'm thankful for the love of God. But this also talks about the wrath of God. It's revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth and unrighteousness. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath showed it unto them. For the invisible things of Him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because that when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain, in their imaginations and their foolish heart was darkened. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. Verses 21 through 23 deal with idolatry. But here's the thing, is we just looked at, idolatry always leads to immorality. And by the way, idols aren't necessarily always setting up a statue, a golden image. I mean, sports can become an idol. Television can become and your career can become an idol. Anything, amen. If you're not careful, it can become an idol. But idolatry always leads to immorality. Verses 26 and verses 27. There, it talked about receiving in themselves that recompense of their error, which was meet. That, that's talking about a shorter lifespan. You engage in homosexual acts, there's a a chance you're going to get AIDS, HIV, STDs. uh, Suicide is connected with this because these people carry a load of guilt and it leads to depression because they refuse to repent of this sin. And sadly, so many preachers are telling them, it's okay. Sodomites don't want tolerance. They say that, but what they want is acceptance. Uh, they want to practice their perversion openly with no criticism whatsoever. They don't want anybody to say anything about what they're doing. And if you say anything against them, it's, a, it's considered a hate crime these days. They don't, want, they don't want these kind of messages being preached, and we're probably headed to a day where they'll throw you in prison for preaching these kind of messages. But it doesn't change the truth. What we're looking at in Romans chapter 1 is the fact that moral perversion, it then leads to mental perversion. He said in verse number 28, God gave them over to a reprobate mind. You get far enough out into any kind of immorality, whether it's this sin or any other sin, it's going to mess with your mind at some point. You say, how can people do the things that they're doing? How can people condone the things that they're condoning? Man, they, they're, it's, it's a mind thing. Now let me say this, and I'm winding down, I promise. I promise. When it comes to this, this issue of the reprobate mind, there's a lot of different thoughts on this thing. And what I'm going to say tonight, if it's different than what you believe, will you just be a little bit gracious with me? And if you can offer me some insight after church, I'm open to that. I've heard different thoughts about what the reprobate mind is. I heard one very intelligent preacher, he said this. He said he thinks it was when God gave up on Israel back in the Old Testament and now they're on probation and he's going to come back to them. And he is going to come back to them. But I can't make that connection, Brother Gravely, as far as this is concerned. I, I can't make the connection. I've tried and I can't. I've also heard preachers stand up and say that what that means is if you engage in a homosexual act, there's no hope or chance of you being saved. I don't believe that. You say, why don't you believe that? Because we just read over there in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 6, such were some of you. Man, if we don't believe there's any hope of them getting saved, then what are we even doing here? I mean, why, why even deal with it? No, I'm glad there's hope. Matter of fact, those guys that say that, they don't want to read the rest of that list in verse 29. Being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whispers, and everybody's like, I'm doing good so far. Yeah, Then then verse 30, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents. They don't like to go there. I don't believe it means that if you have entertained thoughts of sodomy or even engaged in in homosexual acts, I don't believe it means that there's no hope for you being saved. And I do believe based on these verses that a person can go so far in any sin where God finally says, if that's what you want, you got it. Three times we find in these verses, God gave them up. Look at it, verse 24, God also gave them up. Verse number 26, God gave them up unto vile affections. In verse 28, God gave them over to a reprobate mind. It has to do with hardness of heart. Three times you find in the Bible, uh, especially in the Old Testament, where it says "Mm, there's no remedy or without remedy. Oh, I hate to get that place with God. I think about Pharaoh back there in the Old Testament. The Bible said God hardened Pharaoh's heart. And right there all your Calvinists say, see, he didn't have a free will. Now, hold on just a second. Stop and consider the fact that Pharaoh hardened his own heart at least seven times before God finally said, hey, Pharaoh, if that's what you want, you got it. And brother, I'm, I'm saying tonight, man, I would hate to go so far that God would finally say, "I'm done. I'm giving you over. We're done." You say, preacher, you think I've crossed that line? I'd say tonight that if you're even questioning that, there's a good chance God's still dealing with you, and there is hope. Because if you ever do that, if you ever do cross that line, you ain't gonna be interested in the things of God. But I wouldn't delay. I would not wait. Don't keep going in that direction. So what's the solution? We, we I gave you some statistics. I hope I've given you a sufficient amount of Scripture tonight that you see all these things we're dealing with, the gender issue, the transgender issue, the, the same-sex relationship issue. I mean, it's all right there. And there's so much more to it that we're not going to cover tonight. But what's the solution? Well, I'd say this tonight If you're lost here, the solution for this sin is the same for any sin. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. If you're lost here tonight, even if you're not dealing with this particular sin, if you're lost, get saved. As believers, listen, we need to be faithful to witness to these people. I don't, we don't know who's crossed that line or not. We need to be faithful to be a witness to them. Don't be hateful. I mean, they already accuse us of being hateful. Don't actually give them room to justify it. Try to be kind if you can. Be gracious with them. Be a witness. Be a light to them. But we have to continue to stand for truth. We, we can't back up. Preacher, we can't back up. We still have to preach the book. And even if it shows up in your family, if it shows up in this church, you don't change your position on it because God had not changed His. we got to faithfully preach the book. Amen. Lord, I pray You take this message. I don't know who this was for, but You do. I pray that we would stand for the Word of God in a, in a very dark, deceitful age. In a time where this stuff is being crammed down our throats, I pray that we'd stand on your word. Help us to stand with grace. Help us to have a right spirit about it. I pray we'd see some of these folks get saved before it's too late. Help this preacher as he continues to faithfully preach your word. Even in the face of opposition, help us to stand for what's right. I pray that there's somebody lost here this evening that they'd get saved before it's too late. Maybe somebody's questioning some things because of something they saw on TV or in a book, I pray they'll look to your word for the answers and for the truth. Help us, I pray in Jesus' name.